the when has become now. And all of Jesus' life, he was talking about when this happens. And we've talked about this over the weeks. If this happens, then this can happen. If we choose to do this, then God will fulfill his promise to do this. We're talking about the when. And the when has become now because all of Jesus' life led up to this moment when all the stuff that he was prophesied about him is now accomplished. In fact, it is finished. Those were the last words spoken by Jesus Christ. And it had been quite a week for our Savior. He was welcomed into town by crowds who had gathered to see this teacher that they heard so much about. They were so excited to see Jesus that they were moved to place palm branches in his path and shout, Hosanna, praise to the king. And it was not more than just a few days later that he, uh, that so many of the events that we've been talking about the past few weeks occurred. Jesus gathered his disciples at a table for what would be known as the Last Supper. It was at this meal that he continued to do what he had done throughout his ministry on earth. He led by serving and he taught by example. As they gathered around the table, he washed the feet of each person. This was the lowest act to be performed, but he said, I, I came to serve you, not to be served. If you remember, sir, uh, the tables are they're reclined. They're basically up on an elbow and the person's feet next to you were right by you. And so the servant would come around and wash your feet so the feet would be clean. And Jesus did this. He it said all knowledge and power had been given to him. Jesus finally knew who he was and why he was here. It had been revealed by the Spirit. And what's the first thing he does with this? He takes his cloak off and he washes everyone's feet because he gets it. He needs to serve. It was also at this meal that he made two statements we looked at just a few weeks ago. It said, love one another. That was his parting commandment. He said, you must do this. You must love one another. That's how they will recognize you, by your love. Even today, they say Christians are recognized by their love, their love for one another. And couched in that same statement were the words, and we looked at this because it's often just glossed over. It says, I will be leaving you soon, and where you go, where I go, you cannot yet go. Okay, And, and you remember Peter, this this. Disciple Peter, that his faith was so strong, Jesus said, I'm going to name you Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. He said, even you, Peter, who say you're ready to go now, you're going to deny me three times before the sun comes up. I mean, ouch. You know, your Savior, this man you respected, who just gave you this honor, this blessing, and he said, you're going to turn on me because you're going to deny me. This is how big of a deal this was. But after that, you know, it was, where are you going? You see, God's power and his plan for Jesus had recently been revealed, as I said, and all this knowledge and responsibility landed squarely on his shoulders, and he became aware of what would happen and why it must happen. And that's when Jesus showed us, yet by another example, he prayed to God, he said, please take this from me. Yet he did not want to go through the, I mean, he did not want to go through the emotional pain of the betrayal, one of his own followers, and the physical pain and death by crucifixion. But he did what we were all called to do. He trusted in God. And he said, not my will, but yours be done. That is so tough. And what a risky prayer. We talked about this. These risky prayers. God, do what you need to do, even if it means costing something for me. I trust you. I trust you. And that is exactly what happened. Jesus was betrayed. He was arrested. He was tortured and killed. 
Now, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I, I mentioned this morning as we had our sunrise service. Imagine yourself as one of these disciples on Saturday, your friend, your leader, your teacher, the one you'd left all of your friends and your life behind so you could follow him. He was gone, dead, charged with crimes, unjustly judged, and sentenced to punishment and death, a horrible death. Would they come for us next? He was gone. He'd gone to a place that we were not able to go yet. And what does that mean? And what do we do now? How horrible that Saturday must have been for them. Even with the faith that had been instructed and given to them directly from the Son of God himself, they'd not grasped the concept of what it meant that he was their Savior because it hadn't happened yet. Because it was his resurrection that made that horrible Friday a good Friday for all times. It was the events of that week that made Christmas the joyous season that it is today. Because if it weren't for the fact that Jesus had risen from the grave, there would be no reason to celebrate his birth. He would just been another teacher or prophet and not our Savior. Jesus' life fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament, and as Jesus himself told us through Scripture, he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. It is finished, is what he said. And that's what he said as he released his last breath and gave up his soul. Now on Sunday mornings, we've talked about truth and meaning in words like faith and love and hope and grace. And we've talked about how we can have a hope for something we really wish for. And that, the thing I said, I was hoping for the royals to do well, we're off to a bad start. But, uh, but we have this hope. But we can take confidence in the hope of God's promises because that's based on something real. Promises like he says he loves you. He knows you. He cares about you. He forgives you. He's proud of you. And we've talked about how we can love things and people that we really, really, really like. But God loves us in a way that is completely without condition and without limits. And in this season in particular, we're focusing on the grace given to us because of the sacrifice that was made. A perfect and sinless sacrifice that reconciled our imperfections so that we can have a direct a direct relationship with our Heavenly Father who desires to have this type of relationship with us. It is so important to him that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, John 3.16. But this morning we're going to learn a new word. Before we do, I'm going to have a drink and we're going to tell a little backstory. Everyone here speaks English? Okay. Good, me too. We are lucky. They say it is the most difficult language to learn. And I'd say that's probably true in part because every generation makes up their own words and their own use of an old word, right? Some languages are considerably more descriptive than ours. Did you know there are cultures that have around 50 words for snow? And each word describes a different type or consistency of snow. Around here, I think we just have one. Um, but after this harsh winter, I've actually heard a few adjectives placed in front of that word snow, none of which can be spoken in this room. And the Greek language has four different words for love, and that's something we're going to learn about in a, a couple weeks. But the reason I mention this today is because Jesus' last words were actually a word, not words. And the word is tetelestai. Becky, would you flip this slide for me? Tetelestai. It's a Greek word that does not have a direct English translation, but is widely accepted to mean it is finished. What is unique about the word tetelestai is it's a perfect verb. That means that it is finished doesn't mean that it is done, doesn't mean period, end of story, end of task. Rather, what it means is it's an action word that means that it is continually finished. 
It's an ongoing process. Everything is finished and finished and finished over and over and over again. Not once and done forever period, but it's an acting, active tense. So that's, that's what it means. It means that Jesus' work and God's purposes through Jesus were not done. They, they had been accomplished, but they continue to be. Not just forever, but also repeatedly accomplished. The past, now, and throughout the future for all time. To understand what tetelestai truly means, we need to review what Jesus came to do in the first place. Well, Jesus came to reveal the Father. Matthew eleven twenty seven says, All things have, have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. See, Jesus reveals his Father when he teaches us and leads by example. What better way to know than to have someone tell you and then show you how it's done. Serve. Here, let me show you how to serve. Love someone unconditionally. Here, let me show you what it means to love someone unconditionally. And he still does this. This is why it's not finished. The recordings of his life and teachings is still available to you today in the Bible. Or if you've got an app on your phone. Never in history have we had so much access to God's word. Jesus came to be a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. His sacrifice was for all people, for all times. And that is many. Jesus came to serve, same verse. He did not come to serve, to be served, but excuse me, but to serve. Again, it was the lowliest servant's job to wash the feet. Yet Jesus led by serving in a simple, humble way. Watch, watch what I do. This is how you serve. And he continues to serve you as an advocate on your behalf with his Father. Jesus came to save the world. Now we all know John 3.16, but 3.17 continues. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, the sacrifice accomplished on the cross brings freedom to all who repent and believe. Freedom for all time. And his accomplishment of freedom still holds true today. You are still free because of what happened over 2,000 years ago. Jesus came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, Luke 4.43. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. So we no longer need a high priest to disseminate what he thinks we should know about God or whether he can talk to him on our behalf. Now we have a teacher that gives us the whole story so that we may truly know God and know what he wants for us. And Jesus' legacy is that we still have this relationship with the Father today. The fact that we can sit in this room and lift up our joys and concerns, our prayers and our, our hoorays, and we know that God cares and listens was established because of Jesus. And we know that one of the things Jesus came to do was to, to do the will of the Father. John 6.38, his own words, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And to that extent, he gave up his life to fulfill his Father's will. Jesus came to testify to the truth. John 18.37, You are king then, said Pilate. This is at his trial. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this I came in the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. We know that it's God's word, as it's revealed in the scripture, that's the truth. And Jesus came to bring the truth, to preach God's word, and to leave it for us.
generations later. Jesus came to die and destroy Satan's power. Hebrews 2.14 Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in the humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. This is an ultimate example. He lived a life like ours so that he could demonstrate that it is good and right and possible to do so. It's possible to honor God with our lives, with our whole selves, because he can say, I've been there. I've done that. I've been tempted. I've seen what it's like. I've been hurt. I've been sick. I've been mistreated. I've been betrayed. And I did it. You can too. And what's really cool about this, and this is tough to to, to swallow sometimes, he defeated death. So there's no longer anything to fear in death. Now that doesn't seem right because death is sad and we are lonely and we miss our our friends who have gone on before us. But because of the promise of Jesus, there is awesome, awesomeness waiting for you. The blessings we get a taste of here when we're doing things right and, and God's sending blessings our way, that's just a taste of what's to come. It's a practice. It's a dry run. So we no longer need to fear death. Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but fulfill them. This is the thing that got him held up in the, in the trial that led to his death. Many of Jesus' teachings, including every major point on the Sermon on the Mount, begins with this line, you have heard it said. See, Jesus was a teacher of God's works and the word, which includes Old Testament scriptures. You've heard it say, thou shalt not kill. And he would explain it why you shouldn't kill and why that's important. You've heard it said, you should not commit adultery. And he went through these things. He did not say, my faith and my freedom and and all this reconciliation means you can do these things, you can do what you want. Galatians says, don't use this freedom for your own bad purposes. Okay, The freedom is just a reset that says you're still connected to God while you get your head on straight and turn back towards me. And last, Jesus came to atone for our sins said, for this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. You see, it takes a perfect sacrifice to connect an imperfect being like you and like me to a perfect one like God. So can you see that that he didn't just finish God's to-do list? Can you see that we need him to do these things for us each day, every single day? He continues to work on our behalf, and when we let him, he works through and within us. I mean, haven't you ever needed him? Don't you need him today? And you're going to need him again. Friends, I have great news. He will continue to act as your savior and advocate. Just believe, confess, ask, thank, and repeat. It's continual. Tell us, die. You can go ahead and flip, Becky. And have you checked the scoreboard lately? Our Savior is undefeated. Undefeated. It's Savior Infinity, World Zero. And we know that the world and the evil one has taken a lot of shots on the goal and he will continue to try. But keep an eye on that scoreboard because our God is undefeated still. Not defeated by evil, not defeated by sin, not defeated by temptation, and not even defeated by death. So, Tetelestai. Say it with me, let's lose some Greek. Tetelestai. Let this be your battle cry and let Jesus be your Savior today and tomorrow and the day after because you are not finished and neither is he. Now we have a story to tell. I say this very often that we each have a story and no one 
can tell our story like we can. It's very special and unique to us, and it may not even mean something to someone else, but it is something that has happened to us, we've gone through, or all that in some way that God's worked through it, and, and I've shared mine, and, and everybody in this room has one, and no one can tell it like we can. And it's the story of our struggles and our frustrations and our successes, our victories and our blessings, all the good and the bad and the ugly. And it's the story of how God has used the circumstances in your life, even this ugly and comfortable and outright nasty ones, for his purpose in your life and the lives of those around you. So I gave Becky a half of a heads up that this was coming. So this is unrehearsed, so bear with us. Several months ago, Becky and I talked about a song she could sing. It was titled 10,000 Reasons. Remember that? And uh, I don't come up here and talk loud enough for the microphone for the folks at home. <laughs> Would you tell us about your experience with that song, 10,000 Reasons? And it's been about a year ago now. Well, 10,000 Reasons. Oh, that is just why to worship him, even when the, it's, you don't know where to turn. You don't know where to go. And he gives you reason. He gives you reason to keep going, even though you make mistakes. Keep going. It's the only way to learn. Yeah. And a few months ago, we had a similar conversation, and the song chosen titled Lead Me to the Cross, which is appropriate for this day. It is. And, and can you tell us a little bit about, I said, you can sing this song, but you got to learn something from it. So what's your homework say? Well... The lead me to the cross, and in a couple of the verses of rid me of myself, I'm still working on that one, yeah. because I don't know how to actually just step away. So would you say, even though you've sang some songs that have really good words that you really identify with, you haven't got it all figured out yet? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. But I keep putting my faith in him, and I keep praying, and I keep going. Yeah. Try harder Christianity doesn't work. You can't try harder. It's not about trying harder. It's about trying again and, and cashing in this, this redemption. It is. It is. Well, I want, to, um, I want to say a prayer real quick, and then I've got something else planned. But Father God, on this Easter Resurrection Sunday, we thank you for the many gifts in our life. Above all, the greatest gift. We say that Christmas is the greatest gift, the, the gift of your son, but that really encompasses Christmas and Easter because without the gift of Easter, without the sacrifice and the resurrection, these things that, that we find joy in our heart, the reason we can go on, the reason we have joy in our heart and something to look forward to beyond this life, um, the reason we have nothing to fear in death is because of you and he and him. So God, we thank you for that. And on this Easter, we again pray for, for churches around the world that people are, are finding their way into buildings where they're hearing a message that's positive and encouraging and that they may have a little spark rekindled in them that says, okay, maybe that's a part of what's missing in my life. God, there is a God-sized, but even more importantly, a God-shaped hole in every one of us that can only be filled one way. And we invite you in to our lives in everyone's life on this day. May we be forever changed, not only by the cross, but on this holiday as well. And God, as always, I thank you for this church, the beautiful surroundings, this beautiful building, all those who've come before us and, and built it and support us, and those are here today. I pray for the empty spots in the pews that you continue to fill them with 
guests and visitors and people hungry for a place to connect with you. May we continue to be a congregation that's welcoming and inviting. God, I just thank you for your son. Amen.